Jesus. <laughs> well, I wasn't supposed to talk about Valley Girls on on the live broadcast. So okay, we're live. Look at that. So all the technical glitches don't matter. <laughs> yes, none of the technical glitches. What technical glitches? Exactly. Hey, I was told I look so handsome. Should we give them a, like a 20 second countdown? T minus 20. T minus. You don't 18. have something cool? T minus 18. I had something cool, but it's got the yeah. wrong narration on it. But <laughs> yeah, I thought you had some fancy board now that we could like do fancy things with. <laughs> Which of you hit like six buttons at one time? Five. Okay. Five out of my selected nine here, and I don't have I don't have my iPad here. Otherwise, I'd have like another forty or fifty buttons. <laughs> All right, oh. so we're live now. After a few minor errors, but yeah, see, Jason said absolutely doing? no glitches. No glitches. The glitches. See, are Jason, we're back. Hand. I'm sorry you you put up with us. Um, you're a diehard fan. We probably owe you something. I still Why? Have my he's, pink Cadillac, he just said he's so. a he's a diehard fan. If he's a diehard fan, I'm go still buy slowly the eating through them. my pink Cadillacs. I'm trying to make them through to Ooh, Christmas. Nice. Maybe I'll get more pink Cadillacs. You owe him a oh yeah, I guess Brandy says I need to send you a keychain, Jason. Oh, so let's see here. What does my outline say? Oh, we just had our hello conversation, so we're staying right on there. Mm-hmm. So you abandon us with no warning, and it was kind of weird because usually you preamble weeks and weeks and weeks in advance on the show about your time that you spend in Detroit. Yeah, you know, it's called having kids now. Uh, your brain goes fuzzy. You have no clue what's going on from day to day. It's wonderful. That's called ADHD. That too. I, I do have a little bit of that. You need to get some Ritalin. Ah. Yeah. Oh, so now that you're, um, what do I want to say? All returned and all settled and back to normal. How was your trip to uh, uh, Old Car Festival? We had a, well, I stole from Tom Cotter, former guest of the show, uh, his footage from Old Car Festival. Yes, and I'm sure Tom wouldn't mind. I chatted I chatted with Tom while we were there, so um, he's doing good. He was having fun, did a presentation while he was there. So. Wait, 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 Jason, Jason's got wait, wait, the wait, best, wait, best whoa, excuse whoa, here. Whoa, whoa. I need another car for the keychain. Jason, oh. look, I've got a bag of like 20 new keychains. Does that mean I get 20 cars? No, he just wants you to send the 20 to him so he can buy 20 cars. <laughs> well, Jason probably has the money mm -hmm. <laughs> more than I do for her. Okay, now we can go back to talking about uh, Tom Cotter and your time at Old Car Festival. I'd yeah. like to get him back on. I thought he had a new book that just came out. Uh, I, I believe he did have a book just come out. Because he was talking, when we interviewed him last time, about two years ago, he was in the process of working on two, and I can't remember how many thousands of words he had written, but. You know, and actually one of our other former guests just had a book come out as well. Um, uh, might remember, listeners might remember a gentleman named Myron Vernus was on the show. Uh, I don't remember what episode that was. John can probably call it up like that, knowing him. Uh, but Myron just uh, co-authored a book on the um, JDM, J Japanese domestic market cars, and, and the imports that were brought to America. Probably one of the most definitive books on the Japanese uh, car market that uh, has ever been written. So we may need to get Myron back on to talk about his book one of these there, days. There's no may. You just promised to get Myron back on the mm. show there. Let me rephrase that. We'll be having Myron back on the show as soon as he can join us. I can't spell Myron. There it is. M-Y-R-O-N. Episode 150. Myron Vernes, the collector of all. Yes, he And that's kind of true. Yes, yeah, actually, uh, 
Uh, well, he was at the Detroit Conqueror. He wasn't at Old Car Festival. So, Well, uh, I don't know if you looked at our Trello board, Derek. I've got a lot of interviews queued. I have. Yeah. I have. Five it's or six talking good. to people and probably about 40 more. We're, we're going to go after a bunch of interviews here in the near future. We're going to become an interview podcast. No, sometimes. because I don't know. Not all the times. Sometimes. Um, I don't know if we'll get them all to join us this late on Wednesday or Thursday nights. We might have to do some of the interviews during the days. and um, Oh, we might. We might need they to might only be that. audio only, or they may be just bonus episodes. Uh, Father's Day was quite a while ago, Jason. Um, if you just got it for Father's Day, your son's a little bit behind the game. Just... Don't just tell that Jason when Father's Day is. His ki- kid hasn't convinced him. Had him, him tricked. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, so, uh, but yes, that, that is the book he came out with, the Route 66 book. That is correct. It, tell us, uh, so let's jump, let's go to Detroit. Or do you want All right, to let's leave. Because I had to bitch something about that. And I don't um, know. I wanna, we, we need to talk about Detroit because that's the way it is on the, the outline, right? Intros, hellos, talk about old car festival and or Detroit. Yeah, I guess we should because it's a so, typed out outline. If it was a Trello board, I could just move the cards around. Exactly. This is typed out tonight. So, no, old car festival. I think the listeners uh, who have been with us for, what, we are just over five years now, um, are well aware of old car festival and uh, my participation there. Of course, one year we didn't get to... Uh, uh, do it because of the wonderful COVID, but yeah, um, always the weekend after Labor Day, so typically the first or second weekend of September, Old Car Festival at Greenfield Village in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, anywhere between 700 and 900 antique vehicles pre-1932, uh, pretty much all of them having to be as they would have come out of the factory, so they have to be either original or restored to their original configuration, other than the speedster and race car classes, of course, because they were uh, they, we still try to keep those to period modifications and original racers or replicas of original racers. You mean period correct modifications? Yes. Yep. For the speedsters. Yep. Um, so it's, it's a fantastic show. Of course, there's open driving all day long. So, uh, folks can just get in their cars and drive around the village on a predetermined route, uh, that goes around the village, but it's, it's just an absolute blast. You know, you don't often get to see that many of those, early cars gathered together in one place and to set it in a historic village uh, that, you know, obviously a recreation of a historic village, but um, to have it in that setting, it really kind of puts you in, in the mindset of what those vehicles were all about back in the day. And of course we do a pass and review. I'm one of the narrators for that. So we tell those who want to hear uh, that are sitting in the grandstands a little bit about the cars that pass by and how the automobile developed in those early years. And if I'm lucky enough to have a car that goes with me, I get to have a little bit of fun driving around the village and doing all that. And this year I took one of the vehicles from the Lane Motor Museum and uh, had our 1924 Micron Monocar, a French cycle car that was actually a cycle car racer. Uh, It actually raced uh, back in the 20s. And I got to run that around a bit and have a little fun for the weekend. So... Overall, it was a, a good time. Saw a lot of old friends and uh, made some new ones and just enjoyed enjoyed the weekend. And, of course, uh, as John knows and I think the, uh, the, the listeners know, uh, as always, every year, I got to run the Benz Patent Motorwagen for the Automotive Hall of Fame again. And uh, that's one of the always one of the highlights of the weekend for me. La-dee-da. Now, I don't... Um, I don't think the Lottie Dawes played over Old Car Festival weekend. No, they don't because the activities field is uh, in use for car games. So what was the um, – yeah, the, the, the Lottie Dawes are the historic baseball team from Greenfield Village. Oh, I've got a couple um, 
different ways I'm going to phrase this question. <clears throat> what do you think was the most uh, interesting vehicle you saw? Most interesting vehicle? Hmm, that's that's a that's a good question, John. Uh, I've got a podcast consultant I listen to, and he's got a little thing. That's a good question. Something. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I won't say that anymore. Um, and the cigar podcast I listened to, they were talking about how that's uh, some sort of weird phrase. I can't remember what they described it as, but so now I've given you killed some little time so you can think about what the most interesting vehicle in Detroit was. Yeah, the problem problem is I'm I'm trying to think of all the cars. There's like there were like 740 cars there this year, so it makes it very difficult to pick well, out. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna go uh, go get something to eat. Why don't you oh give us a God. list of the 740 cars? No, no, I'm not gonna do that because I don't have it in front of me. Uh, and no, it's always you know always the early cars. Um, it was actually. It you mean was the cars that arrived about 8 a.m., 8.30 Yes, yeah, yeah, the Dawn Patrol cars. No, um, <laughs> I was actually happy to see a, a good friend of mine, a gentleman named Glenn Miller. He was a Ford engineer for special vehicles teams, special vehicle team for years, um, had his sunset back together. It's the only sunset known to uh, be in existence and uh, had it back at the show and running again. It's a, a very cool uh, early uh, 1903 sunset, as I recall. Uh, two, it's a little two-stroke um, engine, so it sounds a little bit like a giant weed whacker running around. It's kind of fun. Uh, but it's it's just a great little car, and you see a lot of those oddballs running around the village, and it's one of the only times you're going to see them out and about running around. So uh, in that kind of public setting, I mean, Glenn runs the car all over the place when it's up and running, but it's, it's one of the few chances you get to see it in a setting like that. So what was, I was going to say your favorite, but I don't want to insult or upset anybody and put you the on the 1924 spot. micron mono car. <laughs> 1924 Micron Monocar. That's the car I brought from the Lane Museum. If you were just listening, and that's cheating. You can't bring. You can't say quote your own car is the yeah, most interest. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I guess you can. You can make mm -hmm. the rules. Yeah, I'd say whatever I want. Um, did you take any of your stuff up there, or just the Lane stuff? This year, I just took the lanes because I had to, um, as the title of the show is saying, you know, I was, Old Car Festival was, I'm sorry, I've got like a sinus thing going on or something. Um, Old Car Festival was the weekend of the 10th and 11th, and then the next weekend was the Detroit Concours held at the Detroit Institute of Arts. And uh, so I, I loaded the trailer from work with the Micron monocar and the car we were taking to the Detroit Concourse. Yeah, but so, you can't get to Detroit because that's number six on the type, typed uh, outline. That's why I didn't say what car we took or anything like that. I was just giving you the reason I did not have one of my own cars at Old Car Festival was because I had a trailer with two cars from the Mot Lane Motor Museum with me there was no room for my crap. How did the Impala tow those? What Impala? I'm assuming you... Oh, so you, you took a museum vehicle then, too. We have a truck that pulls our trailer. Yeah. Let me ask this. This be an interesting question. Um, what did your youngins think of it? Uh, thank you. Okay, Jason, now I understand where he was going with that. Jason said he has a Malibu, not an Impala. I was, hey, I, I was lost. Yeah, if you were trying to say I was pulling it with my car, it's a Malibu, John. God. I was trying to give you a little bit more prestige there. I'm like, where did you get Impala? Anyway, uh, no, honestly, the kids absolutely love the show. Uh, they're both... Uh, 
they both love cars right now, uh, which, you know, obviously I thoroughly enjoy that they, they like that. And, uh, you know, they want to ride in any car they can. So, you know, they went uh, for a ride on the Malibu. Uh, see, now you guys Malibu. <laughs> wow. They went for a ride on the uh, Ben's Patent Motorwagen with me and uh, Christine. Uh, actually, we took them. Uh, I took Christine and both kids through pass and review. I guess it was Saturday morning and uh, or Saturday afternoon for the kickoff of the, the pass and review. And uh, just to prove that, you know, a, a family of four could actually fit on it, you know, proving that Bertha actually could drive the thing with her two sons on it. So we had everybody crowded on it and had a good time. And uh, the kids actually probably were more the attention of passenger view at that moment than uh, the, the Benz was because they were making funny faces and waving at the audience. So of course that always goes well. And, uh, but I also got them, uh, I could, Got it figured out to where, of course, the, the Micron monocar is a, a single-seat cycle car. And I uh, had it figured out how I could drive the car with them, one of them, you know, at a time, sitting on my uh, left leg in the car. So that way I could control everything I needed to without risking any uh, damage to anything. So uh, they had an absolute blast uh, watching all those old cars and, and riding in a, a few of my friends' cars. So. Yeah, they had a good time. He's letting all the police know that it's fine. Um, I had another question about the cars up there. How was let, let's get this very common question? How was the weather? Was it was it what you didn't finish? I was just saying, how was the weather? Oh, how was, was the weather? What, did it work well for the, the event, or did you guys have some rain? Or No, actually, weather turned out to be almost perfect for the show. And Saturday was sunny and didn't get terribly hot. Sunday was, you know, nice. I mean, I think it was in, like, the mid-high 70s both days. Um, Sunday was a little cooler because it stayed overcast most of the day. They were calling for rain, but it never never actually showed up. So, you know, everybody had a good time and, and all the cars stayed pretty much till the end. So that's, yeah. that's the one nice thing when the weather stays nice, because if it rains, a lot of people tend to cut out of the show and it gets really thin. Now I forget, is this a, um, period dress type event for all, at least the participants or, it's not required, um, unlike, say, the um, uh, revival uh, at Goodwood over in England. But if people so choose to dress in period clothing, they are welcome to do so. And a lot of the participants actually do. Um, and actually, the, the wheelmen are there, and that is the early bicycle club. Uh, they have the high wheelers and some of the early, uh, you know, bicycles, various versions of the bicycles and uh, early safety bicycles and all those different, uh, you know, I mean, there's even a couple of folks that bring unicycles with them, early unicycles, not modern. And uh, they do some performances and, and history of bicycles before the passenger view for the cars start. And they're almost all always in period clothing while they're riding those bikes, which makes it even more impressive uh, to see the type of clothing, clothing people wore back then and were still able to ride bicycles. Uh, Jason and, uh, said, I saw Keystone cops directing traffic and some World War I soldiers walking around in the video I watched. Yes, uh, the village... Two of the uh, employees of the village, the you know historic presenters, that weekend typically dress up as Keystone cops, uh, you know police of, of that era, and direct uh, traffic at the two busy cross intersections where a lot of traffic gets bound up. And the World One World War One soldiers is actually a group military reenacting group that uh, the village, uh, you know, Henry Ford Museum and, and Greenfield Village 
uh, bring in for the weekend to set up at uh, the Cotswold Cottage as though it's, you know, actually kind of World War I period and, uh, you know, actually talk about the history of World War I and the impact of automobiles and, you know, transportation in war uh, from that World War I period. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. We're going to have to remember this 15-minute segment here and cut it out and re-release it next year when you remind me that you're going to Old Car Festival so that it's kind of a plug for... Yeah, we can do a teaser. So that me and uh, our soon-to-be-announced third co-host can talk about while you're gone. Yeah. Speaking of which, that does lead me to... uh, We mentioned it about six, eight months ago on the podcast, and I've really been thinking. um, I watched a watched a movie, uh, 21 Jump Street, the one from a couple of years ago. And there's this scene where the 21 Jump Street dudes or whatever, they're just beginning their undercover, and they pull into a high school parking lot. And they've got their Camaro that I think has a blower on it, blah, 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 making all this noise and being, frankly, arrogant assholes like, I guess I was in high school. I don't know about Derek. He seems to be a little bit more mellow. But, you know, showing off with the hot, flashy car and everything, and they get out, and they're making making their way, strutting across the parking lot. And they comment to one of the, I guess, would be jocks or something. Um, what about, you know, what you think of the car or whatever. And they start basically criticizing it because aren't you concerned about the environment? Aren't you concerned about being green? And it really has me thinking. Um, I want to get a new another co-host, not not replacing Derek, adding to it, but we kind of miss Will, and he's not, you know, he'll join us every now and then. I'm uh, happy to be replaced. No. Yeah. Hopefully without Evil Midget, because unfortunately we had to scrap the episode with Evil Midget because there was no way it portrayed. Um what uh what i wanted to put out there it was a little rough yes uh and afterwards will said cut this and cut this and cut this and by then i cut all that and you had the intro and the outro uh so i would love to find a uh co-host uh probably 20 25 years old i want somebody from a different generation i mean i'm 50 you know derek's 40-ish. Hey, uh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we don't talk I, about age on the show. Yeah. I want I want somebody in that 20 to 25 realm. Um, ideally, and this sounds bad, but we're casting for a show. I, I would like that to be female. Not required, but if um, I would, because I want the other sexist perf- uh, view of the car hobby and some of the trials and tribulations and their experiences and what their thoughts are. You know, if I could get a McPherson student or a um, design center um, student, somebody around the, the car car world, and I'm sending out some feelers and I'm going to send some emails to various car people I know that have contacts. But if you know anybody, uh, shoot us their name and we'll reach out to them or tell them to reach out to us. And this is something I really want to work on. And by hopefully January, February, we can have another uh, co-host to provide some insight onto the car hobby from in a, a way I, I wouldn't look at it. Because to be honest, if I was to go into high school today, I would probably have done the same thing they did as on 21 Jump Street. I'd show up, you know. Fox body Mustang, something that I think is cool and might not really be cool, but, you know, show up some, something like that and not think the way the kids do now. Um, because part of no driving gloves is to keep, to keep or spread the hobby of the collector, the collector car hobby to, to the younger generation. And I'm saying kids here, I heard an interview with, um, a woman and a, a, a friend, or they're both students, 
and they're making all these references to the older people, you know, uh, oh, in 20 years, I'll be, you know, I'll be almost 40, and the people interviewing her are 50. And I'm going, yep, that feels like us. Mm -hmm. And these little things have just got me thinking that way. So if you know of anybody... it, yeah. it will be – yeah, I, I agree. I'm going to cut you off, John, because that's what I'm good at. Uh, I like that idea because you just talking about the whole bringing a car to school thing and what kids drive today, um, it made me think like my first car was the, the GTO, the 1974 GTO. I started driving – I was a little late because the year I was – the, the summer I was supposed to take driver's training, I did a, a European tr- trip. Uh, so I skipped, and I, I was a year late getting my license. So I think that put me getting my license, driver's license in 1998, I guess it would be. Uh, yeah, yeah, right around 98. Um so the the 74 GTO was 24 years old at the time, right? Yes, and, that's correct. Yeah, and so my first car was 24 years old. It's 2022. The car that is 24 years old would be a 1998 this year. That to me is is crazy, and it's an interesting perspective because, of course, to us, it's like, oh, a 1998 car is that's that's what was new when we were first, you know, when I was first driving. It it was just a new car, and to a a kid today that's 20, 25 years old, you know, just into college or just out of college, that's, I mean, that's a car that was the year they were born, essentially. Uh, you know, to them, it's an old car. So, you know, it'll be interesting because, like you say, you know, they're probably not showing up in Fox Body Mustangs right now. They're probably showing up in, you know, the that, what what generation was that? It'd be well, like I look a fourth at generation Mustang uh, and, and thinking it's cool like we would have done with early Mustangs when we were in school. And I, I want to say I kind of look at it, you know, I – I got my license in uh, 87, so I beat you by 10 years. Which is about right because we're about 10 years apart in age. And we go back and we look at, you know, I I had friends that had the 65 Mustang. So 22 years old, 24, you know, rough, you know, 22-year-old cars. And those were, that's kind of like going, you know, for them, it's going back and getting, what is it? I'm not good with Mustangs, but. SN95 Mustangs. Um, and those are, kind of, you know, it's the generation after the Fox bodies. But um, Matt Farah talks about his, one of his first cars was a um, SN95 Mustang because his, he wanted a Fox body, but his parents wanted him to have a car with airbags. And he said the Fox bodies never had airbags. Now, I think, want to think that my brother's 93 Mustang convertible had airbags. I might be wrong, but I think his car had airbags. Um, I guess I should talk to my brother and find out. But that SN95, and Hagerty just published an article saying that we should really be looking at like the 07 Mustang as a you know a future collectible, uh, just because it brought back that you know sixty five ish sixty seven ish styling, um, and they're cheap now. I mean, cheapest cars are considered and it's still ten grand. That's not cheap to me, but <laughs> um, so yeah. I mean, like you said, Derek, it gives us a totally different perspective. Um, because I even thought about you know I've got a couple of older friends that I could ask, but they're going to be the same jaded, stuck in the rut. Um, yeah, it just doesn't work. So, um, you know, Jason stepped up here saying he's identifying as a 25-year-old female. So if he wants to send in an application, and uh, we already have a test tape because Jason did uh, appear on one of our shows. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, he's pointing out that um, us, I, somebody he knows is a senior this year has a 2010 Camaro SS, and it's a 12-year-old car. This follows his G8 V8 that um, met a deer in an unfortunate circumstance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I'm thinking when in 87, my first car was a 1980 Dodge Omni. That, that was an eight-year-old car, seven, eight-year-old car. Actually, it was a pretty decent car when I think back, 60,000 miles and all of that. My my parents kind of forced me into it, and I kind of forced my way out of it. But thank you, Mom and Dad, nice. or Dad and Mom, however it went. So even an eight-year-old, what would be an eight-year-old car of that level right now? Would I have a – that would be – 14. Mm-hmm. Would that be like having an Aveo or a um, Sonic? I guess, yeah. I guess it'd be, uh, maybe a Dart, I guess. Was yeah, Dart there you thing? go. Yeah, been, yeah, maybe more like a Dodge Dart. Yeah. So, so that's uh, kind of our help wanted thing. We'll mention it a couple more times. Um, you might see some Facebook posts about it and that, but. You know, just shoot us a message, uh, no driving gloves at gmail.com, soon to be updated to a more real um, e- email. Um, go through the website. <clears throat> you know how to find us. So, And remember, this is a volunteer position. Oh! Nah, there's some uh, inter- interesting um, parameters. We'll, uh, if you, you step up, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um. And this leads to John's bitch or bitches of the week. I'm just going to step all over Derek and maybe even take his segment. I went to a car wash the other day. And traffic backed up behind me, probably three or four cars. Because they had the credit card slot. And it happened to me at a gas station recently. And it happened to me at another gas station recently. Why do we have vertical credit card slots? You put the card in vertically. And the picture of how to put the credit card in is flat. So you don't know which side the magnetic strip goes on or the chip. And the car wash, actually, the chip didn't go in. It went in so the the chip stuck out. You held on to the chip as you slid the card in, which seemed backwards to most of the credit card readers I've used. You know, um, the gas. some of the gas stations I use, I have their special cards, so they're not, um, you can't transmit, you know, they're not tap cards. But why can't they make the god dang diagrams on these things, match the slot, or put a little arrow so that we know where the magnetic strip goes. Because like I said, I had traffic back up and then the guy came up and said, oh, this machine's bad. It barely reads your card if you put it in the correct way. I said, I don't know what the correct way is because your picture doesn't help. So uh, did you encounter any of that on your travels, Derek? No. The only thing I encountered is that uh, the... I, I, I'm going to guess that it's the Visa side of the card that I use. Uh, for some reason, they don't like it if you only use the magnetic strip. So I was at a couple of locations where I needed to purchase things, including a gas station, and the chip reader would malfunction. And I would try to just, you know, then you just try to swipe the magnetic strip, right? That's if the chip reader doesn't work go to the strip. Now, if they don't like that, they decline it, and then they, uh, they alerted me that there was a fraud, fraud, possible fraudulent transaction just because I used the magnetic strip and, and the chip wasn't being used. I'm like, I, 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 it's like, I, yeah, no kidding. I couldn't use the chip because the chip reader was broken. What do you want me to do? I'm trying to think. I... Most of the time when I get gas, I want to say I have one card I tap and I have one card, if I'm not using the dedicated station 
whatever card they give you know give you so you get ten cents off a gallon. The Burks card. Um, I'm always using the magnetic strip. I don't know how many because, like I said, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. But I think I did test the tap uh, function once, uh, and and that actually went through. So it's like chip reader or tap, but don't you dare use that magnetic strip. Well, there's there's security parameters to that, and unfortunately, my uh, banking fraud expert has left the room, so we'll, <laughs> we won't dive deep into that one. And then my other one is, why the hell can't people stop correctly? What's this with, oh, the light's red, six intersections ahead. I'm going to start slowing down now, and then I'm going to you know, drift up to the stop light. And eventually, oh, I'll stop now because it's at the end of the turn lane and there's six car lengths in front of me. And just because the guy behind me has his turn signal on and needs the turn lane, F you. Um, do you well, realize? Because they're, they're timing it so that they can hit it when it turns green. But they're, it's improper. You, you, Build up so much heat in your brakes, you make it them ineffective. You wear the pads quicker, you wear the rotors quicker. If you slam on the brakes, and I'm not saying come up to the light at 60 miles an hour and stab the brakes, but don't drift up there with your brake lights on for three blocks. And then stop. I can even give you half a car length, a car length, in case some moron comes up behind you and rear-ends you. you. You don't hit the guy in front of you, too. But this, and I haven't done it recently, but I've done it probably within the last five years. I have pulled up to stoplights and looked over, and there's a huge gap between a car and then the car behind him. And also, even if I don't need to, even if it's going to make me do a U-turn down the street, I will usually, I used to go over and get into that spot, you know, because don't leave that room because it just like I said those are the two of the three things that frustrated me this week Um, we'll leave the next one for another day but yeah just let it be hello those are good complaints though John good complaints oh yes I should have an applause button here somewhere With the volume too loud, that just sounded like a rainstorm to me. But you know. <laughs> okay, where are we at? Now whichever event we didn't Detroit. cover earlier, huh? We're at the whichever event we didn't cover earlier part of the outline. Yes, and this would be Derek's events because you know John's isolated, never goes anywhere. Exactly, he's a hermit crab. No, I'm so a that hermit. Would, that's crabby. There you go. So that would leave the Detroit Concours. So this is, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be um, professional about this. Um, this is the new Detroit Concours. This is the old Meadowbrook Concours d'Elegance that uh, a few years back turned into the uh, Concours of America at the in at St. John was the total title. Okay, that's that's where it, okay. Yes, and so now it has become the Detroit Concours. Why? Because Haggerty Insurance, well, Haggerty, not Haggerty Insurance, Haggerty the brand, acquired the Concours of America and changed it into the Detroit Concours, and uh, they moved it to downtown Detroit, at the Detroit Institute of Art. And uh, supposedly, I did not make it to the events leading up to leading up to the Concours uh, that they had hosted. I heard quite a few of them were, were pretty good events from some various talks, uh, things like that. The um, banquet, uh, I guess, I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday night now that they had the banquet, but um, supposedly those were all pretty good. 
but the, in my opinion, the Concours uh, day left a lot to be desired. Uh, organization seemed to be missing uh, on, on some fronts. Uh, one of the big things that most of the attendees noticed was, well, I'll just, I'm going to ask you this, John, okay? You, you go to the Concours, okay, you've got a car that you're, you know, either taking for, say you were still at the Barber, something like that, you're taking one of the cars to the Concours, you uh, get in, get to the show field, get it parked, eh, clean it up, whatever you're going to do to set up for the day, get the car all ready to go, you're happy, you're pleased, or you're just an individual that owns a car, and you've got it all set up. What are most of these folks, what's what's the next thing they're going to look for at, I mean, really it was about 7.30 in the morning when we got on the field, had things set up, and people started walking around, not, you know, because they had their car ready to go. What What is the first thing most of these people look for? I'm going to skip saying the bathroom because not everybody's like me. Mm-hmm. In the morning, I usually have to go about every 20, 25 minutes for the first couple of hours. You might want to see a doctor. Um, I'm saying breakfast, maybe a cup of coffee. Mm, interesting, a cup of coffee. And, and what is Haggerty known for at most concours? Uh, they're giving out they're, those black bags that you can carry. Well, the black you. bags. But <laughs> over the last few years, they've been become known as the folks that do the coffee hour. They set up a coffee station. They kind of do the hospitality to the uh, attendees and and those that brought the car. Guess what there was nothing of at 7.30 in the morning? Um, Coffee? Coffee, exactly. There was no coffee to be found. You are. Uh, and, And every person that had a car there was asking, where do we get coffee? And no one had an answer from the people that are known for having coffee at Concours. Very interesting to me. Sounds uh, like a opportunity for DoorDash. Yes. Uh, most people just <laughs> waited until the food trucks and the different vendors that had coffee got set up. So that led to – I didn't get a cup of coffee until I think it was about 9, maybe 9.15 when I finally got a cup of coffee. So um, – eh, Kind of a, a, a faux pas on uh, Haggerty's part there, in my opinion. But, uh, and then, you know, it's just kind of, you know, and maybe it's the, the first year uh, having it at a new place, confusion of how you get to places and where cars need to go. But, I mean, Haggerty now owns three concours, and they've been, they put on the Amelia Island concour, they've been doing the Greenwich concour. Oh. You would think their team would have this kind of figured out, but it just felt very, very first year concours. Not sure what quite needs to happen. It just it didn't have the the same feel as an established, you know, like like Meadowbrook used to have. Uh, you know, Meadowbrook had a very um, methodical process. You know, you knew when you got there where to park the rig. Um, you know, you'd unload, you'd drive across campus, you'd go to a certain road, come up the tree-lined path, there'd be the registration tent. It was just very, it was very well done. And uh, this just seemed a little, just a little out of sorts. So uh, other than that, the day overall was was pretty nice. There were some great cars there. Uh, you know, the, the Lane Motor Museum, we took our 1959 Auto Union DKW Monza Sports Coupe, a fiberglass sports coupe that uh, Auto Union built on the DKW uh, 3 equals 6 chassis. Uh, beautiful car. Uh, got a lot of attention. We were in the European Classics Modern class and, uh, you know, had a good time. Talked to a lot of people. Saw a lot of old friends. Uh, and uh, caught up with people I haven't seen in a while. Uh, many of my uh, GM contacts, and uh, actually a uh, uh, somebody that we probably should get on the show, a gentleman I know that uh, works for Rivian now, one of the head guys at Rivian. I uh, kind of neglected to even remember that he moved there until I saw him again. So, um, 
overall, you know, always a good day to go to a show like that and see the people that you don't get to see every day, but maybe every, you know, couple of months at a different show and, and talk cars and have some fun. So, Well, the coffee one does seem like a, oops, I bet you it doesn't happen again. I would hope not. So, unless they're like boycotting coffee. Now, see, I'm somebody, I don't drink coffee. I'm a Diet Mountain Dew guy, especially in the okay. morning. Probably why I go to the bathroom so often. Probably. But I always bring my own. <laughs> So no matter what, um, I probably would have still brought my own thermos. So I'm proactive because I don't always trust that what I want will be somewhere. But it's good to hear that, you know, other than that, I'm sorry, major faux pas, um, things did seem to settle down later in the day. And, uh, and you know, maybe, it was, maybe it was just the fact that Haggerty hasn't, announced their own brand of coffee so they didn't want to have a, a rival brand there uh but you know hopefully next year they have coffee yeah it'll, it'll probably be a Hagerty brand too yeah it'll you know they'll be able to make like um uh, 20w50 lattes um you could get some um, you know an former host uh, sean yoder just posted something like that. I, I think he was talking about beer, though, and he was talking like a 50-weight yeah. beer. Yeah. But, you know, I'm thinking they'll probably have like a, you know, automatic transmission fluid cappuccino. Uh, you know, high-octane espresso. I mean, shoot, I'm laying out a whole coffee brand idea right here so let's just yeah, i was thinking maybe i should go over and see if Hagerty coffee's trademark <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure they uh, would sue me really quick when they decided to start their own coffee company exactly exactly big lawyers they wouldn't have oh. to, they, they, they wouldn't have to sue you they'd just have to pay you a few bucks and you could they could have the name no they probably sue me yeah, probably. I get lucky like that. Yeah. So, so in all of your travels and stuff, did anything come across that irritated you? Oh, every day, all the time. Other than in your driving experiences and that, I mean, other than the fact there's no coffee. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, the big thing when you're pulling a truck and trailer – that's that's what yeah. people who don't understand what is necessary when you're pulling a truck and trailer and you know just putting things in really bad situations i mean it's just it's really, really bad. People don't understand that it's going to take longer to stop. And, and it's the same thing with semis, right? you got to understand that they take longer to stop. There's, there's issues that, you know, you can't slam on the brakes in one of those things. All these different things. And people just don't get that. Although, I will say the one that irritated me the most, and I almost made a phone call about, uh, I was in the... Actually, I was on the 265 loop around Louisville, Kentucky, and on the way home Monday, and of course, I've got the family in the truck with me, and we were going through a construction zone that was probably a 60 or 65 mile an hour speed zone, and a semi with a full semi, you know, trailer, everything hooked up. This wasn't just a tractor running through, was had to be going 75 plus mile an hour through this construction zone. And I mean, would, wouldn't hit the brakes till he was right up on somebody. I mean, he got behind one truck, uh, like a, I think it was like a GMC Canyon or something. One of the small series trucks. He couldn't have been eight feet behind the bumper of that thing before he actually started slowing down. Um, and then I'd gotten in front of him at some point when he got stuck beside somebody 
And then he flew around me, but there was a car going slow in the fast lane. So he decided to change lanes into the slow lane and couldn't have missed the front bumper of the truck I was in with the, the DOT bar on the back of his trailer by about two feet and uh, made me actually hit the brakes to a point where I thought I was, I was on the edge of having a major issue with that truck and trailer rig going somewhere it shouldn't. The one I was driving, not his. Um, I, I still have the phone number of the trucking company, license plate, and trailer number that uh, that semi was hauling. And, you know, I don't know. I've, I've cooled down a little bit, but that's that's just not cool to me. I can see where that's a little irritating. I give the guy, by chance, was it a swift truck? I'm just kidding. Uh, it, it was not. I'm not going to say the name of the company, but I, I think um, a certain but, automobile company that the trailer was labeled with uh, probably wouldn't be terribly happy to find out that that was going on. Give him credit. He knew exactly where his truck fit. I, I don't think he did, honestly. I think he got darn awful lucky. And I had the family with me, which is probably why I was so irritated. So you, you said you were so close to calling and reporting him, and that, that's where I was. And I guess I'm going to do my uh, the other bitch. I was um, at a retail store, and I might post a picture because I actually did take a picture. I've got pictures and, too. And this <laughs> this son of a bitch um, comes in, and you know how parking spots are angled, and you drive down the aisle so you can just pull in. This guy comes down, big, full-size pickup truck, swings over, backs in straight into the middle of these handicap spots, hops out, walks into the building. No handicap placard, no handicap tag. He effectively was in his spot. He was in the ramp or unloading zone for the two adjacent handicap spots, making them useless, and backed up into, across the line into the other ramp spot or whatever. He effectively was taking up four handicap spots. And that always irritates me. Um, now I very carefully checked the truck to see if he you know, ha had the proper credentials to be in the spot, but man, I mean, I just, I just can't stand people who take that spot, you know, as somebody who's worked with the handicap and previous jobs and that sometimes you don't realize, even if the person looks perfectly healthy, how important those, you know, steps mm -hmm. are for them. Exactly. And I, I, I thought about calling and reporting them. I thought about going into the store and saying, you better tow this, you know, excuse me, jackass. But, yeah, I I feel, you know, I feel for your driving instance and that where, you know, it's damn people. That's why we need that younger host to help have them help us explain what's going through people's minds because us, we're all becoming old curmudgeons. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but I, yeah, I th well, yeah, I don't know if, I don't think I want to get into it, but I just, well, I understand there's a serious, serious lack of respect in this country anymore and, uh, uh, much more of a, um, you know, you first after me attitude. Well, we, um, one of our most popular downloaded episodes recently was the one we did a few back on, um, um, the things that irritate us or I'm trying to, what was the name of that? I can't remember what it was called. Wasn't that? Oh, Frustrations Behind the Wheel. It was 20 episodes ago. 20 mm, episodes yeah. 209. Uh, we probably could have made that a much longer episode. <laughs> that was back in April. Yeah, exactly. The other the other thing that drives me nuts, especially when I'm driving uh, a truck and trailer, but even just when I'm driving a car, is people that kind of like you were talking about, John. Yeah, you know, when you're coming up to a stoplight and they just kind of ride the brakes up to the stoplight. People who ride their brakes down 
hills and mountains. It um, is terrible for your brakes and it's terrible for congestion on the highway. Well, Stop people, doing People don't it. know how to slow their car otherwise. I will, in the mini, there's a big hill coming out of a, a certain area that I travel quite often. And I will try to set my cruise and the car does a really good job of this car. My car does a great job of holding the speed going downhill, uphill, whatever. And I will try to set the cruise. And if I can't get the cruise set or traffic's in a position where I really don't want to have the cruise on because, excuse me, sometimes it's very congested, I pop it over into manual and use the transmission to slow it. I don't know if that's such a good idea, you know, because I don't know if transmissions are really meant to do that, especially dual clutches and that. But I will use the transmission to help keep that uh, speed because um, just after this massive downhill, there's another slight uphill and then there's another downhill. And I know two people that have been creamed by trucks that have worn out their brakes or overheated their brakes in those two downhill sections. Um, and that intersection is actually not very far from where I live now. So um, it's just, again, it's not thinking about what's immediately in front of me. It's thinking about what could be a half mile in front of me, but yeah, thinking exactly. ahead in your driving. I was liking it to, uh, I always tell people when I, you know, when I'm driving, it's like playing chess. You're always looking multiple moves ahead. You're always putting some kind of plan in place for multiple moves ahead. Even if it's changing lanes and, and getting through traffic, I'm always looking as far ahead as I can to see how people are driving, what's going on ahead of me, and looking what's going on behind me. Because if you're not paying attention to what's behind you and somebody comes flying up at 100 mile an hour because they're out of control in their car, you want to know that that's coming. Yeah, I'm one of those assholes that um, I do pay what's behind, behind people. And if, I've got, if I'm in the left lane and I'm you know, scooting along, we'll say 74, 76 miles an hour, and somebody starts flying up behind me, I hang out there a little bit, and then I'll move over. Usually it seems to be about the same time they're deciding to move over to pass me on the right. That's too bad. That's strange. <laughs> so um, stay in your lane, and you'll be fine. You know, I'm trying to encourage, you know, slower traffic, keep right. Um, yes, me. It's all about me. Exactly. So look at that. We Proper outline. We hit that 60-minute mark. I know it's a podcast. It really doesn't matter if we end at 60. Yeah, exactly. But, but I'm going to say, wonderful having you back. I'm glad your trip went well. I'm glad. I know I do detect some um, in your issues about other drivers and your complaints, that father coming through, because, yeah, you're concerned about the cars and stuff in the trailer, but I think you're more concerned about the cargo in the cab with you. Exactly. Get off my lawn. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing that pretty quick. As soon as I get off here, I'm going to go out, sit on the, uh, it'll be the back porch, but I'll yell at the ducks. But <laughs> um, It's not a back porch, John. It's a lanai. Make it sound nicer than it is. I'm going to go well, out. Well, it overlooks the lake behind my spatial um, abode right now. So, But with that, of course, uh, nodrivinggloves.com. You know, like, follow, share, subscribe, whatever I'm supposed to say here. Uh, listen to the audio podcast. This will be out on, uh, it might actually hit on Saturday because it's going to be pretty late tonight. And I've got a couple things but um, you'll have the audio to listen to and, uh, you know, shoot us some ideas for show topics. Um, let yeah, us let know us know what you, know you, you fit our help wanted criteria. And I, you know, if you do identify as a, you know, 24 year old woman or you identify as a 25 year old man, I don't care. We're open to anybody. I mean, that's my ideal 
But if the right person steps up and, you know, they're 38 or 58, we'll talk to you. Um, I think that's going to be it. Uh, Sounds good to me. Let me hit my tab here, and I don't know if I've got a video to play us out or not. I can probably find something. Yeah, I got that little lotus. Uh, Driving away. Until next week.